Good morning, everyone. How are you doing? You're good. Awesome. I am very excited and honored to be sharing with you something that's been on my heart um, kind of this year. As a counselor, I get to hear people's stories. I get to kind of get an insight into kind of the underground of where people's hearts and minds and spirits are in terms of just really understanding some of the wrestles as, as a nation and as a culture that we're going through. And um, I know that we've had a crazy few years with COVID and now load shedding, and it's kind of just created a trauma upon a trauma upon a trauma. And uh, let, me ask, let me start by asking the question, how many of you are just finding yourself with this constant feeling of fatigue, just weariness, where you're like, man, like, what next? Like we did, I mean, how many of you felt like that by the end of January this year? Where you're like, oh my gosh, I need a vocation. And it's like, you hadn't even gotten to February yet. And uh, market researchers, Mintel, has actually named 2023 the year of hyper fatigue. So worldwide, actually, this is a space that so many are struggling with. And they did a survey in the UK recently where 35% of people basically said they were too tired to make healthy choices. In other words, they're too tired to do anything about their tiredness. It's like, how many of you wake up and it feels like Groundhog Day? You wake up and it's like, I'm just going through the motions and the routines. And as I was thinking about this, and I was looking at some scriptures, I realized, you know, weariness and tiredness is not new. Matthew 11, Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Isaiah 40 talks about how even the youths will become weak and tired and young men will fall into exhaustion. And when I was reflecting on this, I actually remembered back to New Year's Eve 2019, where everyone starts to think of their word for the next year. And I'd heard so many people get to the end of 2019 going, man, that was a rough year. I'm exhausted, you know, but I'm amped for 2020. And we're going to have 2020 vision, and it's going to be an amazing year of new things. Little did we know. <laughs> and I thought to myself, you know, Lord, like, give me a word, because I want to finish 2020 not exhausted like I did in 19. I want to finish this year well. Like, I want to start to manage my pace. And God gave me the word plodding. Very unglamorous word. Doesn't get a lot of airtime. But little did I know that actually that was such an important word for me. And it's something that I've actually held on to in, in my own journey in the sense of, like, how do I finish this race well? And that's something that I'm really passionate about in the sense of how do you safeguard longevity? How do you, how do you make sure that you're going to end your marriage well? Because no one gets up on their wedding day and go, right, and in 10 years' time, I vow to become so weary and distracted that I never spend time with you until divorce us depart. But it happens. How do, we, how do we finish this journey of even parenting well? So many families fall apart because of distractions and, and just life and, and, and there's, there's brokenness and careers and call. How do, we, how do we safeguard longevity so that we can do this life well? Remember, you're never remembered by how you start. You're generally remembered by how you finish. And for me, this is like, how do I manage this space well? How do I look at some of the weights, worries, and weariness 
that we're owning? What, what are those spaces? And I, I'm so aware when I listen to people's stories and I hear the complexities of what people are going through in life, that if the enemy can't stop you from becoming a Christ follower, he's going to do everything in his power to burn you out and to become a dysfunctional one. You see, he's going to do everything in his power to distract you with, with worries and weights of the world so that you become ineffective in actually living the life that, he, that you're called for. And I'm going to be really honest with you. I found myself by February this year struggling to breathe. And it had nothing to do with COVID. And it was actually by the time I became consciously aware of it, it was already a habit where I was holding my breath and then gasping for air. I mean, I'd heard of sleep apnea, but there's actually a thing called email apnea. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> Where you're just in admin mode and task mode and to-do list mode and go, 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 go. Where you actually find yourself now physically holding your breath to try and get through just everything to the point of gasping for air, and then I find myself just driving, and I'm holding my breath, and it becomes such a habit that I was like, sure, God, like, what's going on? Like, you see, there's such a thing as functional depression. I'm, I'm a high-capacity, functional-driven, visionary, go, I've got so many things I wanted to do, but my body started red flagging in the sense of going, I can't keep up with the pace that you're going at. Because the year before, I'd had a crazy year, and I thought, I'm, I'm doing good, I'm fine. And I didn't realize that actually there were little subtle warnings in my body that were saying, slow down, slow down, you're actually not fine, to the point where I had no choice but to start to own the space. You see, there were a lot of subtle pressures that were being placed on me and, you know, in the beginning, it's kind of flattering, you know, where people say, oh, my, you know, my pastor says, I need to come see you for counseling, that you're going to help me. And often when I was speaking in churches, they would say, hey, Mads is like the answer to mental health in our country. And that started to become a weight that I felt myself being crushed under in terms of expectation. How do you bring something new? How do you bring something refreshing? And feeling this burden and I became so aware, you know what? There is no name other than the name of Jesus that is the hope. No name. And if someone puts that kind of pressure on you, it's your responsibility to take it straight off. And so that's a space that I'm really passionate about in the sense of how do we manage this journey of life? How do we deal with weights, worries, and weariness and take ownership of that, because Scripture is very clear in speaking into how do we own these spaces. But before we get into the nuts and bolts on that, I need a volunteer. <laughs> cool. Somebody that's strong and can just help me out here. Give us a little flex. Uh, there you go. All right. Um, I get thirsty every now and then when I'm speaking, so I just need you to hold my water for me. But like kind of out in front, just, you know, so it's right there for me. Maybe you can just loosen the lid every now and then, just in case. Is it heavy? Uh, a little bit, yes. It's a little bit. Okay. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> All right. Hebrews 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially sin that easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us. Let us strip off every weight 
so that we can run with endurance the race. The biblical description of weight is a burden or an encumbrance. An encumbrance is someone who's dependent on you or it's something that impedes a runner from running the race as they should. And uh, as a counselor, I've, I've kind of become very aware of three types of weights that a lot of people are struggling with in their own different ways. And the first one I want to speak around is the performance weight. This idea that I have to earn my value. See, one of the biggest lies the enemies want you to believe is that your value is based on what you do or others do to you. That your sense of value is based on kind of how much you're performing and earning and finding your sense of this is who I am in the world. And in a sense, the world actually sets us up for performance-driven living. Because the education, the education system grades you, the sport world ranks you, the business sector evaluates you, and social media likes you. It's all about performance. And it's so easy to slip into this rat race of performance, and many people actually spend their lives living for a panel of judges. Consider who are the voices in your life that you are living for the approval of who you give your identity to, you give, your, you give them, in a sense, authority to determine your value because that's the person you're going to end up performing for for the rest of your life. And it's maintained by this idea of trying to keep that panel happy. But the reality is it's going to actually lead to a lot of anxiety because you don't know what their judgment's going to be. And so it places you in a place of uncertainty and it's going to result in competitiveness you're going to look around and the person next to you is going to be somebody that you're competing with and comparing with. And it also ends up in calculated authenticity because you're going to become very careful about what you show other people because you want to keep their opinion about you on a good level because in a sense they're the authority to your value. You're going to hide your weakness. And I know what that feels like because, you know, the counselor shouldn't have problems. The counselor shouldn't be burnt out. And I know what those shame thoughts, those lie attacks of the enemy feels like. Uh-uh. <laughs> Are you right there? Is it getting heavier? Oh, okay, okay, okay. We've got to watch these spaces, okay? The second weight I want to talk about is guilt weights, where we feel this the sense of it is my job, it is my responsibility to fix others, to carry their stuff, like, because that's what it should be, you know, and we're driven by picking up the, 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 the stories of people around us, that it's my job to find a solution for the crises that's all around me, and it's maintained and driven often by manipulation and expectations that are put on you, that this is what you should be doing, because if you're a Christ follower, you should be. And long term, when we live under those guilt weights, it will lead to bitterness and resentment. And you'll be lying awake at three in the evening, have, in the morning, having those ruminating conversations in your mind. Have you ever had one of those? This is what I'm going to say to them. I'm going to win the conversation when I'm going to get this point and that point. But you never have those conversations. But they rob you of peace. And this leads to that resentment. And then we've got shame weights where these, these lies that have been put on you by the enemy saying, you're not good enough, there's something wrong with you, I can't believe. 
and we become over-identifying over almost with our fallen nature, and we live under these fears of rejection and lies by the enemy. And long-term, it will lead to apathy and hiding. And often it's in those spaces that we turn to escaping behaviors. Because when you're living under those kind of pressures and fears, we want to find a way to survive. Now, right now, what's your name again? Collins. Collins is no longer listening to me. <laughs> because you see, physiologically, he's starting to shake a little bit. His mind's becoming focused on the pain in his shoulder and his arm, and he's focused more on the problem than the preach. Can I let you out of your misery? There you go. Well done. Thank you. Here's the point of that little demonstration. When you become fixated on the presence of a problem, which often results in panic, you lose sight of the presence of God. And for so many of us, our lives and our worlds are surrounded by problems and tensions and troubles and trials, and we become fixated on those. And that's all we see, and we actually lose sight of truth. And it results in us trying to look for ways to ease the discomfort that the trial is causing in our lives. You see, often when we're in these positions, we're feeling powerless over the problem in front of us. And whenever a person is feeling powerless, they will look for behavior that makes them feel powerful. Collins even chose to shift arms. Because he was feeling powerless in the one, he shifted to something else. This is what we call in psychology anxiety-easing behaviors. And whatever you escape to, you can become enslaved by. And so we've got to find a way. How do we own these spaces? How do we manage these tensions? Because Scripture is very clear. In this world, there will be trouble. We can't eliminate it. You can't, you can't eliminate the tensions and the trials and the troubles. You, you, we try. We, we numb them. We anesthetize them. We even Botox them. But the tensions will always be here because this is the reality of the world we live in. It's a broken world. And it's a very dangerous, slippery slope when we look for ways to escape because here's what happens, and it's a sliding scale. We start to fear our weaknesses. As human beings, we're fallen, fickle, fragile, infallible, but we start to fear those, those fragile spaces in our humanity of who we are. And then we start to isolate. We hide our struggles. We don't let people know the truth about what's going on in our world. And this need to maintain a facade begins. Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Remember what fine stands for? Feeling, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. Anyone feeling fun? <laughs> a couple of you like, yeah, I'm, I'm done. I'm not hiding this anymore. And when you start living a, a life of a facade, trying to maintain this, I've got it all together, what ends up happening is you start to become untouchable and unchallengeable. You keep people at arm's length. And often your behavior then becomes controlling and manipulative because you don't want to be questioned. You don't want anyone to come into your worlds. And you'll use phrases like, don't you trust me? 
not showing me loyalty by questioning me. And you see this in leadership. And lastly, it can result in escaping behavior as that anxiety-easing drug. And I want you to consider, where are you on that line? Because it happens in marriages, in families, in business, in churches. I see it everywhere. And what are the weights that you're carrying that are leading now to the sense of powerlessness and a need to escape? Where are you in the journey? Philippians 4, 6-7 says, Don't worry about anything. Don't you hate it when someone tells you that and you're in the middle of worry? <laughs> Obviously, you want to get a wet fish and slap them. <laughs> like, don't worry. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. And it feels so simple, doesn't it? It feels so shallow. Like, that's really not going to bring the solution. It says, pray about everything and tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now, the biblical description of worry is to be drawn in different directions, to be distracted by anxious cares. The word worry actually comes from the term meaning to choke. And worry will turn your peace into pieces. Because from a psychological, psychological perspective, I was trying to go too fast there. <laughs> when you're worrying, your mind is either in the past of regret or the future of fears. Both of those spaces are totally powerless positions because you can't do anything about them. And so when scripture says don't worry, it's saying don't put yourself into a powerless position. When you look at Matthew 6.27, it says... Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? God knows that worry is a very crippling, robbing activity. So he's saying, don't worry. Instead, pray. You see, prayer puts you back into the presence, and it's something powerful you can do when you're in the face of a problem. It's a position of powerfulness. And when you start to pray and you tell God everything, there's something very powerful that happens when you express what you're going through. From a psychological perspective, when you, when you name your emotions, you start to tame it. There's a release that happens as you get it out. You see, when you're triggered emotionally, your emotional brain turns on and your thinking brain turns off. So nine times out of 10, you can't even think of a solution to your problems when you're filled with worry. But as you start to get it out, as you start to talk it out, as you start to share your concerns and your stresses and your worries and your fears and your insecurities and your shames with God, there's an emotional release that happens. And then you start to think clearly. And then God speaks into those spaces. And he says this, tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And the peace of God. And I want to just press pause because I want to share with you the biblical definition of that word peace. It's one of my favorite kind of definitions that I've come across. It says this, peace is the tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation. The tranquil state of a soul assured of its salvation through Christ, so fearing nothing from God and content 
with this earthly lot of whatsoever sort that is. How many of you want to live in that peace? You see, I believe that so many of us have lost sight of the big picture. We weren't created for the space between our life and our death. We were created for eternal living. And when you take that little space between your life and your death and you put it on the line of eternity, it's that. It's a dot. It's kind of like going camping and not having peace that you're going back to a bed. You know when you're in camping, the only great thing about camping is you know you're going home in five days. You know, where your toilet's right next to your bedroom and your mattress doesn't deflate. But when you're camping and you know you're going home, you could be at peace even with the mozzies and the deflated because you know that you weren't created for constantly living in a tent. But Scripture says this is a tent. Life here on earth is just camping. We were created for something way bigger, but we've lost sight of the bigger picture and we've become focused on the mozzies and the deflating mattresses. And we're not living at peace that's why I believe when you, when you read Paul, he talks about knowing the secret of being content in all situations. He could praise in a prison because he had peace that transcended even prison chains. He knew what it meant to be living for Christ. He said, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. You see, he had a clear picture of what he was created for. And it wasn't just for living here on earth. The soul assured of its salvation. Are you assured of your salvation? That no matter what happens here on earth, you have eternal life. What happens here on earth is actually irrelevant when you know what's to come. And when you align your mind to that, here's what ends up happening. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding. I almost want to put the word earthly understanding. Because when you're in this earth, sometimes it's hard to have understanding. But it transcends all understanding and it will guard your hearts and your minds. If you want to find what it means to live in peace in your mind and your, and your heart, you need to align yourself back to the will of God. And it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. When we come back to prayer, when we come back to the basics, when we align the pieces of our heart back with truth, we'll find that peace so what are you living under? The weights of worries or the peace of God? The problem when we live under weights and worries is that it will lead to weariness. Galatians 6 verse 9 says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at a proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Let us not become weary. There's a clear instruction to take ownership of this space. The biblical description of weariness is to be utterly spiritless, to be worn out, to, be, to lose courage, to be exhausted. But here's the one I want to draw your attention to. The last description, when you unpack this word weariness in Scripture, is to behave badly. You see, when you get to that space where you're so overwhelmed with the weights and worries to the point where you, you know what, I just don't care anymore. That's when often people start to make bad choices because that apathy is set in, that hopelessness is set in, that bitterness and resentment is set in where you just don't care because you want to find anything to escape from the pressures that you're living under. But this is not what Christ has called us to live. And the problem with weights and, weariness, with weights and worries is that it leads to 
weariness, and weariness will often lead to picking up more weights and worries. And it becomes this vicious circle. And we've got to take ownership of the spaces we find ourselves in. Ownership is one of those unglamorous words as well. No one wants to own where they are. I often said to people, if you're struggling with burnout, it's actually generally because of bad boundaries. And like, yo, well, people keep putting things on me. And I'm like, well, you can take them off. One of my most liberating scriptures that when I I came across and I had a revelation of, I was like, when, when Jesus went to heal the man at the pool of Bethesda, there were hundreds of sick people there, and Jesus healed one. See, often we allow the need around us to determine what we give, instead of allowing the voice of the Father to determine our steps. And for me, that brought freedom. Like There are times where I've got waiting lists for counseling, but I can't let the need determine how many hours I give, or I'll burn out and be no good for anyone. We have to manage. So how do we run this race well? Well, I want to come back to Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially sin that easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Often we think it's going to be a complicated five-step process. No, it's super simple. You keep your eyes on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of your faith. You keep your eyes on Jesus. And in February when I found myself struggling to breathe, I got into God's word and I thought, let me start in John chapter one and see how far I go and see what God has. I said, Lord, like, I don't know where to start. I don't know. I'm just feeling totally empty and worn out and you got to give me something. Well, I couldn't get past the first five verses because it was like a four hour download where God just spoke to me and I just went over it again and again and again. And I want to just share with you four points that God showed me in that season. This is John one verse one. In the beginning, the Word already existed. In the beginning, the Word already existed. Before anything started, the Word already was there. Like Everything we need already exists. And the first point is provision already exists. It's already established. And I don't know about you, but that just took a huge weight off of me because often we're looking for the answers, we're looking for the solution. But Jesus reminded me, it already exists. You just got to lean into me. And often we start chasing after all the wrong things instead of actually just coming back to the simple basic truth. The weight of performance, if you're driven by this weight of performance, you know what, it's destroyed on the cross. You don't have to earn your salvation, it's a gift. It's not about how good you are. It's about how much he loves you. It's not based on you. It's based on him. So you don't have to carry this weight of performance. The weight of responsibilities is relieved on the cross. For God so loved the world. He did it for everyone. All we have to do is point Jesus, people back to Jesus. And the weight of shame is dealt with on the cross. We don't have to live under the law. There's something wrong with me. God wants to bring freedom. Every weight is removed by the provision of Christ. It already exists. 
You just need to lean in and take it. Jesus is our source and our resource. John, two, John 1 verses 2 to 3 says this, He existed in the beginning with God, and God created everything through him. Nothing was created except through him. And the point that God showed me here is that partnership releases pressure. Partnership releases pressure. Creative ability is found in partnership with Jesus. It already exists. And often when you're feeling that pressure to perform and the pressure to create, you feel like, oh my gosh, how do I come up with something new and something refreshing? How do I solve these problems? And it's like, man, it's so hard. And if, if in the Godhead they didn't do anything by themselves, there was this beautiful partnership. Who are we to try and do it by ourselves? And yet so often that's the last thing we tend to do. I mean, there was a season where I was struggling with parenting and, you know, like there's times where you feel like you've got it all under control and then there's days where you're just like, man, I, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> Anyone else feel like that? Please don't leave me alone. Thank you. And I was like, oh, I was losing my head. You know, when your kids don't listen, generally your voice gets louder because you want them to listen. And I remember just feeling so frustrated and kind of almost like a, a moment of just desperation. I was like, Jesus, like, help me, please. And he gave me one word in that moment. And he said, whisper. And I was like, okay. And I leant into my boy's ear and I just whispered the instruction. And he did it straight away. I was like, now you tell me. Whisper. Why do I not think of that? Partnership releases pressure. So many of us are living under the pressure to find solutions to the crises and the stuff around us. We don't have to do it alone. Everything you need already exists in God. He just wants you to partner with Him. He just wants you to walk this journey. Every solution needing a problem, any problems needing a solution, that's my dyslexia, invite Him in. Every burden needing to be carried, invite Him in. Every stress that you're under or worry, invite Him in. He's your source and your resource. John 1 verse 4 says this, the word gave life to everything that was created and his life brought light to everyone. When you're feeling like you're in a dark place and a heavy place and a dead space, his word brings life. And I remember so clearly that day when I was reading through these five verses again and again, I literally felt like his word was bringing life to my soul. It was bringing new hope to my soul. And I realized, you know what? When, when God breathed in me, he breathed life in me. And the breath that I have actually has two different purposes. When I breathe out, it's death. When I breathe in, it's life. And often we don't think about our breathing until you're holding your breath and you are thinking about your breathing. And I suddenly realized I've been holding my breath and keeping death inside of me. And God started to remind me about just the importance of breathing. So I want to do something with you. I want you to close your eyes right now and just focus on your breathing. Consider that as you breathe out, you're breathing out death. And as you breathe in, you're bringing in life. Breathe out a worry, breathe in a truth. Breathe out a burden and a weight, 
breathe in his peace. Breathe out, I am weak. Breathe in, he is strong. Breathe out, I have failed. Breathe in, he restores me. Breathe out, I am rejected. Breathe in, he loves me. Breathe out, I am alone. Breathe in, you are always with me. Breathe out, it's all my responsibility. Breathe in, you are my source and my resource. You can open your eyes, can you feel that life? I wanna encourage you even in the days to come, find moments to breathe, to breathe out the lies, to breathe out the worries, to breathe out the weights, and to breathe in his truth, to cover yourself, to align yourself back to the truth about God and who he is and what he has for you. The last point is John 1 verse 5. It says this, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness can never extinguish it. You see, light is our power purpose. Why are we here on this world? We're here to bring messengers of hope to a world in bondage, to a world in darkness. And there are so many people around us right now who are living in hopelessness and despair and sitting under weights and worries, and they are desperate for messengers of hope. They're not desperate for you to solve things. They're going to make you think that it's your job to solve their problems. No, it's your job to literally point people to Jesus, to get people to fix their eyes on Jesus. He is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is our everything. One of the things that I was reminded of when I was in this space, my lecturer at Bible College many, many years ago said, you know what, you can only be a conduit for Christ when you realize you can't do it. And sometimes we've got to take ourselves out of the picture so we can allow Christ to work through us and in us. Our purpose is to be light in a dark world. People are desperate. But if we're empty, then we've got nothing to give. He is our source and our resource, and we've got to tap back into Him. You see, the fountain that He puts in us is an overflowing river that's abundant. If you're drinking from your own well, your own source, you will run out. You will get empty. He is your source. So we need to strip off weights. We need to not worry and instead pray. And we need to manage the race and our pace so that we don't become weary. I want to end with one last verse. This is Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Then Jesus said, come to me. He already knows why you need to come to him because he knows that we get, we get sidetracked by the troubles of this world. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. So I want to end off by praying for you. 
If you're feeling worn out by weights that you've been carried, whether they're weights of performance, guilt, or shame, whether you're living under worries or you're already in weariness, I don't know where you're at, it doesn't matter. But let today be a line in the sand where you say, today I'm letting go of these things. I'm fixing my eyes on Jesus and I want to learn his rhythm so that I can finish this race well. If that's you, stand up and I want to pray for you today. Jesus said, come to me. And as a sign of faith, you've stood up, we're coming to Jesus. He says, take my yoke. That means put what you're carrying down and pick up his peace. Let me teach you. Allow your minds and your hearts to be open to hearing the voice of God. Speak into your world. Speak into your situations. And he promises you that you will find rest. So, Father, I just lift up every person here. Won't you come? Won't you just flood each heart and soul with your peace? Won't you wash them over with a refreshingness of your spirit as we seek to find rest in you, Father? Won't you speak truth to every lie and worry? Won't you speak wisdom and discernment to every weight that needs to be put down? Thank you, Jesus, that you prepare a place of rest beside still waters. Lord, I pray that in the weeks and the days to come, that you will lead each one of your children here to places of refreshing, to places of restoration, and exhale in you. And won't you full hearts with that peace that passes all understanding, the tranquil states of souls assured of their salvation in you. And won't you guard their hearts and minds, we pray. And as we go into our time of just little worship now, whether you want to sing or whether you want to just pour out your heart, offload those worries before him. Let this be a defining moment for you right now. In Jesus' name.